Well, here we are. We sit at the beginning of the second quarter of 2021. 2020 was a tough year. Um, and here we are uh, on our way out of uh, the pandemic. The, the vaccine is rolling out. And so we just wanted to get caught up to speed. So we brought back a, a fan favorite who is Andrew Updike. Uh, he's an economist with First Trust Investments. And uh, he gives us the lay of the land when it comes to the, the spending that the government is doing, the inflation worries, and how he thinks everything's going to play out for the rest of the year. So you're, you're not going to want to miss this one. Yeah, we're excited to bring this to you. We think it'll be very beneficial, like Merce said. Just a couple things just to remind you of. If you've not had a chance, go check out our website, pomwealth.net. Um, I encourage you to look at the blog page. We have many articles that are written on topics around retirement in the categories of financial, legacy, as well as lifestyle. And then uh, also, if you uh, are thinking about, hey, how, am I ready for retirement? If you look over on the right-hand side, you'll see our masterclass called Three Keys to Secure Your Retirement. It's completely free. It just gives you some uh, good things to think through. So make sure you check that out as well. Uh, but before we get into this particular episode, Merce needs to do a quick disclosure and we'll get started. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your specific situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. We welcome you to our podcast today. And uh, as always on Mondays, we try to make sure that we bring to you information through interviews with experts and that can help you to be able to understand a lot of different topics. Today, though, we're going to talk about the economy. We've had Andrew Updike on our show here a couple of times. And so, Andrew, welcome back. It's certainly a pleasure to have you with us today. Hey, it's great to be back with you. Good. So, you know, we we uh, we kind of joked about the fact, you know, we survived. We made it through 2020. And now you go into 2021, and 2021 has been fantastic for the markets. I mean, I know that there's certain parts of the market that has done better than others, and but we've had a pretty good year so far, and a lot of that's uh, contributed to some of the things that we get uh, through your organization. But we would like for you to kind of kind of start us off here today and give us your thoughts of 2021, where we are so far. We've made it through right now the first quarter, just barely, but we've made it through the first quarter. Can you kind of give us your ideas or thoughts where we've come from through 2021 and and, and we'll just take it from there so far for through the first quarter. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's let's break it down into two pieces. Let's talk the economic side, and then let's talk the market side. And the economic side, the biggest contributing factor to what we've seen so far this year has been the vaccinations. And we, we started, if we look at the data and we look at COVID, which had such an enormous impact last year, and that was a major question here as we went into the first quarter. There was questions 
uh, whether this first quarter would see any growth. There was chances we could be somewhere close to zero, possibly a little negative. Well, we found out at the beginning of the year, first, second week of January, that the vaccines were having an impact and they were showing up in the data. Now, now some of that, too, is that we're off of the travel from Thanksgiving, from Christmas. Uh, we were getting past the travel from New Year's, but we start to see about the second week of January a significant decline in terms of COVID cases. And we, we saw about an 80% decline in new cases. We saw about a 76% decline in hospitalizations. And with that, we saw states starting the reopening process, which quite frankly, from an economic perspective, reopening is the best possible stimulus we could ask for. Now, I will say February had its ups and downs. We had uh, the, the, the winter weather that came through ravaged places like Texas, so we saw volatility in the data. But right now, we're getting data for the month of March, and, and uh, we just got the employment report. It showed uh, uh, right around a million jobs added in the month of March. We're seeing acceleration in employment. We're getting data from the, the manufacturing sector. We're seeing it from the service sector. And what the data is consistently showing is that as the vaccines get out, as we reopen up, as we get past that February winter weather, we are seeing a very strong pace of, of activity going into the second quarter. Now, it's not without its difficulties there. One of the problems that we've been running into is supply chain disruption. We cannot get goods and services out to companies, out to consumers fast enough. I think that's going to be a major talking point here in the second quarter. But from an economic standpoint, the fundamentals today are quite strong. It looks like first, second quarter of this year are going to be two of the best quarters that we've seen in a very long time. Now, switching gears for a moment to the, the markets-based side, the markets, too, have been moving higher. And, and I think you can kind of see reflected in some of the market movements what we're seeing on the economic side. As we, as we look at reopening, as we look at getting back in person, getting back towards quote-unquote normal, those areas that lagged last year, that lagged because they had difficulties, they couldn't do the face-to-face -face business, they're starting to take a lead this year. We're transitioning a bit from technology, from communication services, from healthcare, and we've seen financials, we've seen energy, we've seen industrials and materials. And I think that too, as we get back to normal, that's gonna be a major discussion on the market side and the economic side, at least through the first half of this year. Now, the last thing I wanna note is that we also got stimulus. I believe that the, the reopening was the best stimulus we could ask for, but there's money in the system. And in, in the month of March, the IRS put over $240 billion into bank accounts uh, through stimulus payments. That money, we're gonna see that flowing through. We saw it a little bit at the end of March, in April, May, into June, I think we're gonna see accelerated spending. So it's, it's kind of a, a double tailwind. We're getting back to normal, plus there's gonna be more money in pockets. Both of those set up for what I think is gonna be an incredibly strong second quarter. Yeah, Andrew, thanks for that summary. And you know, you know we 2020 was a, a very scary year and, and the story was, like you just said, large cap in technology. And then we saw that shift happening. We were fortunate enough to make a shift in our portfolios uh, at the beginning of the year into those small cap, mid cap positions that that really had a lot of recovery to do. And because of the vaccine, because of the stimulus and everything, people going back to work, um, that has really been a great play for us as far as our portfolio is concerned. Our clients are happy. We're very happy. And uh, so 
on the on the note of the stimulus, we've talked about this in previous podcasts as well, and what we think the overall um, uh, you, we could say the overall uh, down the road how this is all going to play out of all this creating of money. And now recently, in the past couple of months, we've had a lot of worries about inflation. And the Fed's had to come out and address that issue. So, what what are your thoughts on all this? All this money being put into the markets for a good reason. the The world needs money right now. The people need money. So, what are your thoughts on how all this is going to play out and tie it tie it to the inflation worries that everyone has had recently? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's kind of short term effects and there's long term effects. In the short term, it means a boost in spending when you give money to consumers, when you give it to businesses, or give it to states and municipalities, hospitals, schools they'll spend the money. That is certainly one of the factors that's lifting economic growth. And I think it's going to also lift earnings here in 2021. And remember, when we look at something like the stimulus plan that was passed earlier this year, $1.9 trillion, a trillion of that is allocated to this year. The other $900 billion is 2022 and beyond. So it's not just a this year thing. It's an allocation that's going to extend into future years as well. Now, that money, a lot of it is sitting on the sidelines. Consumers got stung back in 2008, 2009, right? And, and, and it took people a while to get the confidence back that the recovery was indeed real, that, uh, you know, for people to, to have faith once again in the markets. We saw money move to money market accounts, checking accounts, savings accounts. Now they've got stung again, and we're seeing something similar. You've got this environment where uh, they've received funds, their incomes are up over the past year, but again, they're putting it into accounts on the sidelines. It's not all flowing back into the market, and they're not spending it all in terms of buying goods and services. As confidence returns, I expect we're going to see some of that money move back into the system, and one of the big concerns is inflation. We talked about earlier the fact that supply chains are still recovering. We don't have full worker capacity at manufacturing facilities. If you were to go look off uh, the coast of L.A. today, you would see uh, dozens of ships waiting to dock and unload because there's, a, uh, there's not enough dock workers, there's not enough truck drivers to move them throughout to the country. So uh, we're going to see it in the next few months because, remember, as we move into the second quarter, particularly April, April, May, the comparisons from a year ago are comparisons during the shelter-in-place and, and the lockdown periods. So inflation numbers are going to rise. They took a massive decline last year. So just regular growth is all of a sudden going to see a spike. We're going to see inflation numbers, consumer prices, producer prices, somewhere in the 3 to 4% range here over the next few months. Over the last decade, it's been below 2%. It's been 1, 1.5%. So we're not really talking numbers like we saw in the 70s or into the early 80s where it was double-digit inflation. But I do think it's going to run above trend. It's supply of money, it's, it's the confidence returning, and then it's, it's going to take us a little while to get that demand back online. And, and when you put that much new money into the system, uh, inflation is, is one of the side effects. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. 
If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. So, you know, again, what I'm about to talk about is kind of a little bit speculative at this point because it's got some work to do. But, you know, they're talking now about this infrastructure bill that's going to mm-hmm. now put another couple trillion dollars into, uh, you know, re- you know, building some infrastructure within the United States. And they're saying, hey, we're way behind in that as well. What do you think about that? I mean, if, if that actually were to go through, do you, how do you see that affecting things? Yeah, so so if it goes through as it's put in right now, it, I think it would have an inflationary impact. It's going to be more money coming into the system. Again, it would be a short-term boost to growth. The money that's allocated in the stimulus plan is over a wide variety of pieces. If you were to break it down and look at, say, how much of that is towards roads and bridges, what's I think it's about 5% of the total money that's allocated. It goes across a large number of topics. This stimulus is a little bit trickier to pass through than what we saw with the $1.9 trillion plan for a couple reasons. One is is there was an impetus on that prior plan that we saw uh, pass through in the month of March because we were about to see the expiration of extended unemployment benefits. If it didn't get passed through uh, in time, we were going to see those fall off. So there was kind of a deadline. There was a, a shot clock running, and they said, look, we need to get this passed through. We need to figure out what we're doing by this point in time. We don't have that with the infrastructure. There's, there's not a shot clock running. Uh, there's, there's more time for debate. There's more time for discussion on the infrastructure bill. And because of that, I think it's going to take a little longer to pass. The other thing is that we've seen some of the, uh, let's, let's say, moderate Democrat side, like Joe Manchin, uh, like Tester, like Cinema out of Arizona, and Kelly, uh, kind of leaning and suggesting we want this to be a bipartisan bill. We do not want this to be a 50-50 split along party lines. And so uh, with that, I think there's going to be more negotiation needed in this plan than there was in the stimulus plan because they need those Democratic votes. And if those Democratic votes say, we're not going to do it unless you have agreement on the other side, there's compromise that's going to need to be made. And the last thing I would note on here is that there's been a lot of discussion, you know, what is this going to look like? Is this going to be green energy and how far is it going to go in green energy? Well, we kind of got a look at this during the $1.9 trillion stimulus plan discussions. There's this thing called Voterama, and basically the Republicans could throw up a bunch of different topics for votes as they were looking to pass that, that prior stimulus, and they brought up questions like green energy. They said, Are, would you vote to ban fracking, something along those lines? Now, uh, what, what we saw in those votes is that the, the two Democratic senators from Colorado, the two from New Mexico, the one from Pennsylvania, all said, we are not going to vote for that. Our states are energy-producing states, and we're not going to hurt our own state's revenues for it. So even as it stands today, uh, even if they did it along party lines, I think there are still some discussions that would need to take place, some adjustments to the plan before it gets passed. Uh, and, and given the lack of a timeline, given the fact that there's some in the middle that says we want we want this to be a bipartisan bill, infrastructure is going to take a little longer. When will it come through? I'm not totally sure. My best guess is that we could see a passage this year, but not really see the spending come into effect until 2022. So with that, not as much of an impact from an economic and market perspective. We will see certainly see some money flow as people look to areas. Uh, like some of the technology, which is likely to see some of the investment. 
like the energy sector, which is likely to see some of the investment. But for right now, there's still a lot of questions that are up in the air. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out and how it all unravels for us. Um, so I want to shift back over to the markets a little bit and kind of get your opinion again, once again. Um, and before we do that, just a, the, the quick disclosure here for how Rain and I are managing it. We're purely working off of the numbers. We're purely working off of the technicals. And sometimes fundamentals are kind of saying, well, what? how do we see things playing out from from a futuristic perspective, we don't do it that way, but we like to hear, we like to know what the fundamentals are, especially from an economist like you. So how are you seeing things play out for the rest of the year now that we're in second quarter, had a great first quarter in, in certain parts of the markets? And uh, and so now where do you see things going? Do you see things shifting at all? Uh, I know there's been worries, uh, once again, going back to the Fed, whenever they decide to ease their spending and ease their buying into the markets, you know, how does that all play out? Yeah. So, so the Fed, from my opinion, I think the Fed is going to stay on hold. They, one of the things they did, and I think this was kind of smart, that they did at their when they released the dot plots, that's their projections on where they see GDP growth, where they see employment, where they see inflation, and where they see the rates set by them into this year, next year, and, and the year beyond. They made significant upward revisions to those forecasts at the beginning of this year. They, they put economic growth, real economic growth at 6.5%, which would be uh, the single best year for the U.S. economy that we have seen since the 1980s. Uh, and what I think they did is they said, like, let's, let's move, let's make a significant movement here, but at the same time, note that it hasn't changed our outlook on moving rates. So it kind of, it, it kind of told the markets, look, things can go better than we were anticipating, and we are still planning on holding Pat. And one of the reasons for this is the employment side, because right now we, we had strong employment numbers in uh, the month of March, and the numbers got revised higher for January, February. But there are still today, we're still down about eight and a half million jobs from where we were in February of 2020 before COVID hit. That is what they are tasked. That is what they are watching. And they're saying, look, we still have a, a significant amount of healing to see take place. I think we're going to see some of that healing take place as our downtowns continue to recover. Remember, last year, we moved from the outside inside. We moved from the inside online. We moved towards those types of companies that can bring goods and services to us. As we get back out, I would expect the restaurants and bars, the leisure and hospitality, the small and medium-sized businesses that are far more reliant on in-person activity to continue to see some of that tailwind. I think they're going to continue to be leaders as we move into this year. As the inflation pressures build, that's going to put some pressure on interest rates, even without the Fed moving. Um, and that's going to bring some questions. We'll probably see some volatility in areas like technology, where uh, they're very, uh, they're, they're more reliant than other industries on investing for the future. They're future cash flow oriented businesses, they're growth oriented businesses. So I would expect small and medium, I would expect some of those cyclicals, industrials, materials, financials. Uh, to continue to benefit in this environment through this year. Another area I would keep an eye on is as the global recovery takes place. Watch, the U.S. is leading right now. We have about 165 million uh, shots given so far. We're running at just over 3 million a day. We are running faster than virtually anywhere else in the world. And as we get back to normal, the rest of the country, the rest of the world is going to be working to get back to normal as that takes place I would expect we're going to see some improved performance from international as well. So not a straight line. It never is a straight line. 
But it's one of those things because uncertainty is going to remain with us. Uncertainty is not going to go away. It's not going to go away once COVID is in our rearview mirror. I can't think of a single time, uh, a week that's gone by in the last one, two decades where there hasn't been something that brings uncertainty to the markets. But we watch and we see the tailwind factors, and those tailwind factors with that volatility, I think, are going to move things generally higher over the remainder of the year. I think, I think virtually every sector has benefits. I think they're all expected to see rising earnings. Some are just expected to grow a little faster than others. So we've got like one of those uh, kind of questions we kind of like to close out with. So we're going to we're going to start with the with the kind of the negative side here. What are you the most nervous about if you had to think about going forward throughout the rest of the year? What what bothers you? Yeah, so so the two things that I'm kind of watching, I continue to watch for strains, right? We've heard about the the South Africa strain. We've heard about Brazil. We've heard about the UK strain. Um, and we continue to hear questions about the effectiveness of the vaccine against those. Now, We've known about those since November-ish of last year, and we've been seeing reports of those showing up here in the United States. And so far, we haven't seen a significant outbreak uh, or reacceleration of cases due to one of those variants. But it is a possibility. And if there was one thing I think that could derail activity, it's if we were to see a variant take hold, something that the vaccine isn't working as well against or isn't working against at all, and we were to see some return back to shutdown. I think it's a low probability event, um, but there's there's a possibility. The other thing, and this is a little bit longer term, it could be, you know, I, I'm certainly going to be watching that inflation picture. As inflation picks up, the Fed's going to need to keep an eye on it. I don't think they're going to move this year, but I do think it's entirely possible that they start signaling later this year that, okay, maybe we are going to move in 2023 and that that timeline might move a, a little bit earlier. That's going to royal the markets a little bit when that takes place, as inflation pressures are pushing interest rates up. I don't see it as a significant cause for concern, not something that's going to throw the economy into a recession or it's going to throw the markets into a downturn, but it is going to bring volatility. So those are kind of the two things that, that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on to see how they develop. Okay, great. So I say we ended on an optimistic note. And uh, Andrew, tell us, what are we most excited about for the rest of this year? So this is going to be, I think, a phenomenal year for the U.S. economy. It's, it's going to be a great year for economic growth. Our expectation is for the year we're going to bring about 6 million jobs back. That would be the single best year for job gains. I'll say, too, uh, last week I, I started to get back out. I was traveling. I went to the West Coast, to, to Portland, and I saw my brother and my sister for the first time that I've seen them in a year and a half. There's, there's bucket list items that are now becoming kind of attainable, things that we've all wanted to do. We're excited to do as restrictions ease, as the environment is safer to get out there and do things. Uh, this is, I, I think there's going to be a lot of joy this year from people getting back outside, back in their communities, back with neighbors, back with friends. So I am very excited for this continued path back towards normal. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, as we get later in the year, celebrating, uh, uh, celebrating holidays, celebrating events in person with people once again. Yeah, well, we all are looking forward to being able to be back in uh, person. And uh, so, it, by the way, although we're not in person, uh, even right now, we do appreciate you very much uh, coming on and talking to us, talking to our listeners and really helping us give that big picture view. Sometimes we get stuck in our own little community. So uh, thank you so much, Andrew. We certainly do appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy it. 
All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.